Hi, and welcome to The Backlot. I'm Tova Leiter, moderator and director of the New York Film Academy guest lecture series. In this episode, we will take an in-depth look at one of my great guests and hear about his experience in the entertainment industry. And now, Eric Conner will take you through the highlights of this Q&A. Hi, I'm Eric Conner, senior instructor at New York Film Academy. And in this episode, we bring you stuntman-turned-director Chad Stahelski. I've had over a thousand stitches, uh, broken my back, my neck, both arms, both shoulders, both knees, ankle, and uh, my face has been reconstructed twice. As Keanu Reeves' stunt double, he battled an infinite number of Agent Smiths in the Matrix trilogy. He helped Wolverine slice, Spider-Man swing, Mr. and Mrs. Smith wreak havoc, and even worked as a stunt double for Johnny Knoxville of Jackass fame. Can you imagine how terrifying a stunt must be if Johnny Knoxville wouldn't even do it? But it's his directing on the John Wick trilogy, which has established him as one of the best action directors out there. And his remarkable career might not have even happened if not for, of all things, snow. I'm from Massachusetts, East Coast as well. Um, decided to go to school at USC at the time because geographically it was about the furthest place I could get into that was away from snow. Uh, at the time I was very heavy into martial arts. Uh, my parents were athletes, so I got into it. Remember, this is way long ago, where martial arts weren't cool. Like, you didn't really get a date if you did karate. <laughs> you know, the UFC wasn't around yet, and Jackie Chan wasn't known yet. And if you knew about Bruce Lee, you really didn't go on a date. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my kind of gig. And as I was going to school, I was competing, and a stunt coordinator was in the audience. He saw me compete and said, well, you might make a good stunt guy. So they had me double uh, Chris Christopherson on, on like, a million-dollar movie. And that was probably in 1990. And then uh, I just got into the business through them. And um, I was doing a lot of TV work at the time. And my boss came to me one day, and I just got hit by a car, so I wasn't really seeing things right. And he said, hey, look, they're, they're auditioning stunt guys who have a certain skill set for this guy, Keanu Reeves. You know anything about him? I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I saw him in that Bill and Ted's movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and auditioned, and the movie ended up being The Matrix. And I passed all the auditions, and then uh, I was with the Wachowskis and Yung Wu Ping, who's one of the best martial art choreographers on the planet, uh, from Couching Tiger fame. Got to know Keanu, and we spent the next eight years making the Matrix trilogy. A common expression in Hollywood is you need to pay your dues. Considering what Chad Stahelski has put his body through as a stuntman, that feels like a massive understatement. To date, I have 13 surgeries under my belt. Um, I've had over a thousand stitches, uh, broken my back, my neck, both arms, both shoulders, both knees, ankle, and uh, my hip. My face has been reconstructed twice. Um, on the first matrix, I broke everything in my right side. That's why you, you see, like, I don't sit still, and that's because things start hurting. But that's, again, I was in the top 5% of stunt doubles at the time. I was actively performing nearly every day or every other day on high-end martial art shows. And at the time, uh, you know what we guys, when we call rigging or wire work? Before wire removal, they did it on piano wire. So the stunt guys were very small, very light. They had to be, otherwise a piano operator. When you're figuring and you're doing high-end ratchets or what we call wire work, or when you see a guy gets yanked back or they fly, that's wire work. At the time, the systems weren't quite developed. So you kind of had a better than average chance of coming out okay. But when you're doing from there about 80 feet in the air and 200 feet that way, doesn't always work out well. Sometimes the math is a little off. Okay, when I started, maybe there were three or four deaths a year. 
And it's usually, it all goes back to human error. Or people just being really either ignorant or just f***ing dumb. Someone should have said, this isn't a great idea. Or they didn't rehearse it properly. You know, doing a rehearsal in a gym is one thing. Doing it out on location with explosions, with stuff, and every, all the factors are different. And it's, it, you know, I was on the side of the crow. I was on the side of the expendables. I've witnessed two fatalities. And it's always down to the same thing. It's, let's hurry up and go. Don't worry, it's a lot of yes men going, oh, you're right, we got no time. If you'd had time, if they had had time, if they had like another three hours to go, no one would have said go. They all have said, yeah, this is dumb. But because you gotta go, we gotta go, let's go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, we gotta go. You know, will it be okay? Yeah, it should be okay, let's go. And like, you get a bunch of, like a person is smart, people are dumb. You ever hear that expression? Like, you get a group of really smart people together, but they're all tired and they all gotta go and they all wanna make it happen. That's when dumb decisions get made. And every time I can try, when, I, when I've been hurt, a lot of times it's me being like, I can, you know, I'm trying to go into ego stunt guy. I'm a tough guy, I can do it. I should had no business getting up on that thing. I should have tested the rig and done it. Man, we should have done three or four more tests. I'm like, no, we got it. Let's just go. I can do it. I can make it. And that's the next thing. My legs turned around backwards. And believe me, it's not like the movies, literally, where you get up and go, yeah, and you spit and you wipe the blood off. I cried and peed my pants, and then I went to the hospital. So, yeah, that wasn't cool. <laughs> but it's so much better now. Nowadays, honestly, because my wife is still a performer, and I'm ultra protective of her and the stunt team she works with. Uh, most of the time it's just our stunting now, but the rigging capabilities, the safety precautions, the entire industry's come a long way. Like, stuntmen are all professional athletes that are usually in bed by nine because of competition. If I told you right now, just be really good, listen to what I say, and you can make half a million dollars, smart ones will make it, you know. <laughs> we'll go to bed early, stop, they're not going to chase girls around, they're not going to do drugs, they're not going to drink, they're going to go work out in the gym. Like, it's a whole different attitude nowadays. It's very, very, very professional. And everybody's very, very into being safe. Because the few accidents that do happen, trust me, it's, it's crushing. Crushing when it happens to the entire industry. A discussion about stuntmen would not be complete without a shout-out to the great Hal Needham. Like Chad Stahelski, Mr. Needham started out taking his bumps as a double for the irreplaceable Burt Reynolds, before launching his own directing career with Smokey and the Bandit. Mr. Needham had a distaste for digital chicanery, that was used to remove harnesses and other safety measures. But as Mr. Stahelski explains, stunt work is no longer treated like the Wild West. It was a fledgling part of the industry back then. But now, again, even the, the special effects guys where they used to be known as a little bit loose and yeehaw, and the stunt guys were yeehaw, and the stunt guy and the effects guys were like, well, put more black powder in. It's kind of changing, and now everyone's on the same page. And the whole level of people, I mean, you're talking about you know, MBAs in chemistry now. You're talking about structural and, and uh, you know, physical engineers are taking over this. It's, it's just the money involved now and the lawsuits. And, like, you know, Marvel has a, you know, $3 billion interest in their movies. You know, like Warner Brothers and DC. Like, those are, you do not want somebody getting hurt. You don't want anybody turning an ankle. You know, like, these are franchises and dollar amounts to be protected. So, yeah, they, everyone wants to, you know, they got the half a billion dollar insurance policy. Like, you don't want anybody getting hurt. You want to hang now. So the medics, the thing, every, it's pretty pro. I mean, uh, the last couple of times we've been on set is incredibly, incredibly well put together, incredibly safe. Mr. Stahelski had been a stunt performer for years when he signed up for The Matrix. Not only did he perform in some of the best action scenes of the past 20 years, he also found a pair of artistic mentors in the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis took me under their wing 
Uh, most of what I know about filmmaking really came from them, and they really are genius filmmakers if you look at the way they uh, compose and, and detail and create worlds. And uh, I ended up uh, directing, they gave me a camera, I was like trying to figure it out, and then they'd go shoot little things and little technically second unit things. From them, over the next eight years, I learned quite a bit from them, and then um, I had a good relationship with Warner Brothers afterwards, and they gave me a few smaller films to action direct, technically. And then it just kind of blew up from there when The Matrix came out, and it was such a success. There weren't a lot of people with our skill set as choreographers. A choreographer is just like a dance choreographer. Every time you see a martial art fight or a fight scene or wire work or even a gunfight, there's a guy like me that'll go and block it and choreograph it and hire the stuntman to do it and help the director find the interesting angles to shoot it and how the logistics are of, you know, whether it's visual effects, wire work, stunts, explosions, all that kind of stuff, and we help them put it together. So uh, after the Maester came out, that was very much in demand. So it was like a niche market. Second unit, for you guys that don't know, most action movies or most bigger movies have at least two units, sometimes three. When they play first unit or main unit, that's your real director. A lot of the dialogue, the acting. Sometimes there's a second unit, which is technically if you're going to want an aerial shot of Rome, you send that guy. First unit never even goes. They just do their shots. Sometimes it's like four guys and a camera and a helicopter, and that's second unit. Or second unit can be bigger than first unit doing a big battle sequence. You know, like in the new movie Hacksaw Ridge, there's a big second, you know, all the big establishing shots are probably second unit or Braveheart with all the horses, anything that doesn't have your lead cast in it. Then you have like an action unit that may or may not have lead cast in it and do big sequences. And then you may even have a third or a fourth unit with visual effects that are shooting all your blue screen elements or the, the digital composer modeling or anything like that, like in the original Star Wars or anything. So we got very good at crossing line and all the other directing work. As a stunt coordinator, Mr. Stahelski helped create the ultimate superhero showdown in Captain America Civil War. Underoos! Nice job, kid. Hey, everyone. The airport battle with the Avengers split in two going against each other helped bring the Marvel Universe to dizzying new heights. And the sequence never would have worked without the extensive preparation before they filmed. With this in mind, Chad Stahelski and his partner, David Leach, started a company focused on bringing action to life. Uh, my partner, David Leach, uh, Dave's directing the new Deadpool as well. He was my co-director on John Wick. Um, we have a company called 8711. We're a one-of-a-kind company that pretty much, we call it, it's action design. You can hand us a script, you hand us a sequence, and we write it. And we design it, and we bring it to fruition. Rather than just writing something that can't be achieved, or can be achieved for an extra $100 million, we work with the producers, the directors, and everything, and actually build an action sequence. And hopefully employing, just like, you know, a couple years ago, the X Games were new, snowboarding was new, the MMA was new. Now you cut to what's new tomorrow, not what they're trying to do today. So studios will come to us a lot and help us design a new sequence. So the Russos are kind of friends of ours from the commercial days, people that we had known and really, really dug. And they had just saw John Wick, and they were like, oh my god, can you help us with Spider-Man? And we're like, yeah, sure, that'd be great. <laughs> So we helped design the, the Captain America and Bucky stuff in Civil War, and we helped design the airport sequence, and that's the sequence we shot, the airport sequence with all the, the actual Civil War part. Part of, I think, why we got such the education we did or the background we did is coming up, you work with Wachowski, you work with Fincher, we did Zack Snyder, we did, um, worked a lot with um, Guy Ritchie. Um, I mean, just that alone is, you know, on second unit jobs, I got to direct Robert De Niro, I got to do Hugh Jackman, I got to do Tom Hardy, I got, like, you know, these are just... So by the time you go to film school like that, you've directed, you've worked with lead cast, you've worked with some of the best directors on the planet. If you pay attention, 
not just to you know where to put the camera but how to run the business how to budget and how to spend the money they give you you can be fairly efficient and that's kind of the best film school you could ever go to one of the reasons Mr. Stahelski achieved success as a stunt coordinator was because he was needed on set. And the directors who didn't do their homework or prep for their action scenes, well, they needed him even more. You gotta know where directors come from. Um, you know, back in, the, back in the day, they could have been artists or photographers or poets or writers or novelists. Like, it, it, they're very well versed in a, in a broad sense of education. Now, you can have a music video director you can have uh, any one of you right out of film school, you know, you do a cool project, somebody sees, oh, he's got a little bit of shine, and they'll give you a million dollar movie, okay? Um, and there's guys that come from production design that are directors, uh, stunt guy, uh, you know, visual effects supervisors. So you don't really know. If, if they've come from an onset or in the trenches background, they probably have an inkling of at least what a good stunt or bad stunt is or what an action design may look like. Most of the, the problems with action design is tone. Like what kind of, most directors don't know tone. That's where most of the, the cleanup jobs we have to go in and fix are our tone. It's like, that's why sometimes you watch a movie and it'll be kind of funny, kind of weird, kind of serious, kind of, because the guy's kind of gay, he's all over the place. He's like, well, you know, we always want in. So, okay, so what do you want out of your movie? And they'll go, well, you know that scene in Captain America, we're going to do that, but then we're going to do Born. But then we want the scene where it's like, you know, American History X, and then, but it's a little Buster Keaton. And I'm like, wow, that's a hell of a movie, dude. Um, so if you don't know what your movie is, you're going to have a problem, you know, totally through the action as well. Like, um, like you brought up earlier, like John Wick, it is brutal, it is violent, just because of the way we chose to shoot it, because it's, it's connective. It's not like the typical gunfight where you, you do a single on the guy shooting and you reverse and you see the guy falling down. It is connected. And in order to do that, that's in close proximity. Intimacy always brings more emotional content to it. But that kind of ties into what tone is, and that's what you have to explain. So if you can get that, but back to your question, different directors come from different backgrounds. Some are very versed, some are not. The best thing I can say to anybody here that wants to be a director is it should never be the way it is kind of in Hollywood today. That's kind of the biggest thing. I shouldn't say that's why I have so many houses right now. Um, I, don't, I only have one, but it's really big. Um, it's mostly because they come in and they think, oh, well, Chad's the action guy, or Bob's the action guy, or Scott's the action So I'm just going to go eat lunch. That's the worst attitude you can have. How many movies have you recently watched where it just becomes a gunfight or just becomes a fight scene, and it's the obligatory third act, i got to beat up the giant robot? But you don't really feel anything. You don't care. You don't really see the actor's face because he's in a suit, a hood, or a mask. That's because it wasn't shot by the director. That's because the cast wasn't even on set. That was the second unit guys trying to get it done with what first unit gave them. Because, you know, you know, Bob, the action star, has already gone home or is in his house in the Bahamas and we're trying to finish the movie. It's become this thing where action has been divided, where storytelling stops. And then we're supposed to just go in and do an action scene because the studio wants an action scene. Like at what point, like take your godfather or anything like that, De Niro was in that scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? Scorsese shot it. You know what I mean? Like, they kept it in. Storytelling was just part of the action. When you watch The Matrix, you'd assume the Wachowskis had an extensive background in the martial arts. Well, that's not the case. They just did their homework. When you go into a director where they know not the best ones, they may not know anything about stunts. The Wachowskis didn't know. They're two kids from Chicago 
that used to draw comic books, and that's how they got into the business. They just wrote comic books. But as soon as they know they always loved watching kung fu, they went to China, got hooked up with Yung Wu Ping, the best kung fu crew on the planet. They went to the source and for two years educated themselves and wrote The Matrix. So when they came to us, they could, they could name every move with the Cantonese name in that first fight scene in the dojo. You know, and they burn in there in every rehearsal. They were they were in live in rehearsals with an actor. I don't know if you guys ever seen an Air E3. It's a big ass camera that weighs about 85 pounds. They'd put on their shoulders just to find the angles and figure out what is possible. So they'd get those great angles in the Matrix. Like they gave a shit. They knew action is a huge part of what the Matrix is. Imagine Matrix with shitty fight scenes. Right, it's not the same movie, right? It wouldn't blow your doors off. They did it. They knew that. Why is Jackie Chan? Well, it's a simple because it's Jackie. They're like, okay, well, we got to get Jackie Chan. We're just going to call him Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and Carrie Ann Moss, and they are all, that was in the contract. It's like, you're going to give us six months of your life in a gym, and then we're going to go do this movie. But we ain't going to pay you. <laughs> but it's going to be a great movie. <laughs> and that takes a lot from a cast member to do. So kudos to Keanu and the rest of the cast. But that's directing. If you're going to do a movie about you know, horse racing, learn about horse racing. You're going to do a movie about boxing, learn about boxing. Don't divide it up. Storytelling is storytelling. Mr. Stahelski's growing list of credits as a stunt coordinator and second unit director showed that he was more than ready to direct. But he faced one small problem. The material being sent his way was just not good. Until he came across a professional badass named John Wick. It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. But nobody is John Wick. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may well find something reaches out and drags you back into its depths. I lost everything. They know you're coming. Of course. But it won't matter. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. We've been trying to direct, my partner and I, uh, for a couple years, but we just, we got, I think, let's see, like every Navy SEAL, ninja assassin <laughs> script out there and they're really bad <laughs> uh i've certainly seen probably most of them that were made uh no they were really bad scripts and then uh keanu who I hadn't talked to in a while called up one day and said hey i got this script if you want to read it and i read it and john wick was let's see he was 65 years old his dog was a german shepherd his wife died when she was 50 and it all took place in new jersey Oh, and it man. wasn't, nothing against New Jersey, it just wasn't very sexy. Yes. So I was a big fan of, uh, when I was in college, I was a big fan of mythology, Greek mythology and stuff. So we said, well, why don't we just remodel this to be a Greek myth? That's why we did it. If you go back and watch the first John Wick, you'll see all the, there's a lot of mythological references in it. The underworld, Sharon, the river Styx, all this kind of stuff. So we just painted it over and made it a mythical world. After spending 10 years with the Wachowskis, you, nothing else, you know how to, world build. <laughs> so we kind of went into that and our action background gave us like, I don't know if you guys know about budgeting, but the first John Wick was made for about 18 million bucks. That sounds like a big chunk if you're going to buy a new car, but for making a movie, <laughs> it's not very much money. Um, so we had to come up with ways to do things very cheap, especially when you shoot in New York. So when we do the longer takes and stuff like that, we just literally told Keanu, yeah, like the more coverage you do, the longer it takes. That's why you see all the editing. So we're like, look, we want to do something cool. We'll do like, we'll, we'll go back with Jackie Chan and all that stuff. And we'll do longer takes, less editing. But the payback is like, you know, Keanu's got to spend three months in the gym learning all this stuff. Because at the time he was 50 years old. I don't know if you guys, most people can't walk when they're 50. Let alone do, ju <laughs> do jujitsu. So we beat the out of him for about three months. We have a facility 
here in town that trains cast. That's why we, we train all the Marvel people, the DC superheroes and all that stuff. So we got Keanu in there with the best tactical gun people, jiu-jitsu guys and stunt guys, and just he literally lived there. John Wick is one of the best action franchises produced by Hollywood in years. When you watch the film set pieces, it's clear there is a stuntman behind the camera. And it's also clear that Keanu Reeves, who's now in his 50s, is the one doing his own hand-to-hand combat. The reason we did what we did on John Wick was not just to, you know, show off and say, look at our guy. The reason is, like, how many of you guys have seen in action movies the scene with the two FBI guys, the CIA guys, open the folder and go, Joe, he was the Navy SEALs. He was three tours in Vietnam. Like, he'd tell you how badass he is. But do you ever see him do anything badass? (laughs) Not really. We figured, let's not do that scene. And John's going to cry over a puppy. He's going to lay down in his boxer shorts. He's going to be mopey. And then when he picks up a gun, then you get to see him. And you don't have to ask whether he's badass. And you don't have to worry about the editing. You don't have to worry about the VFX. You're actually seeing who? Keanu Reeves do something that you think is kind of difficult, right? There's no cuts. It's him doing it all. Y'all love Jackie Chan, right? Jackie's awesome. Great guy. Okay? Give me the name of his character in any movie. And maybe you get a Lee. Most of the time it's just Jackie, right? (laughs) But you really don't care because why? It's Jackie. You're going to see Jackie. You don't care the characters. You don't care what the plot is. You want to see Jackie. And why do you love him so much? You don't love the back of his head, right? You don't love the super wide top shot? You love Jackie because you know that's the guy that fell off that f***ing clock tower, right? (laughs) Right? That's why you believe. So there's believability in the character. When you see a character in mode, it's the same thing. When you really see Christian Bale cry, it's really Christian Bale crying. Like you, you, you get on board with that. What if you just saw the back of his head crying? You don't really care, right? It sounds silly, but that's what you're doing with action. If you see the guy doing his own action, that's great. Like stunt doubles are great. Don't get me wrong. Made a great job out of it. You get some point. Not everybody can do the splits. Just, well, some of us got to go in and do the splits. That's just the way it is. Not everybody wants to get hit by a bus. Okay? Some of us are dumb enough to go and get hit by a bus. Okay? For a lot of money. Perhaps most impressively, John Wick's action scenes are actually clear. We feel the tension all the more since we understand and feel what's happening. But Mr. Stahelski shares the credit for this with all the directors who inspired him. It's not really us. We copied stuff from the 70s, 60s and 70s. And obviously, you know, we have a huge influence with um, Sergio Leone, Bernardo Bertolucci, Andrei Tchaikovsky. Um, all framing and composition you probably recognize in there. The Wachowskis are obviously huge. Um, but you gotta remember why editing exists. It controls pacing and like framing, why does it exist? Um, I believe in choice more than anything. And when I was a second unit director, work, say I was working for you, I would try to design a sequence and help design it so that you had choices. Meaning, I'm trying to get the actor to do as much as you can. Like, so you try to give the director choices about how to spin the choreography, how to make the guys move. I believe that editing should be a creative choice. I believe framing and shots should be a creative choice. Most things are done today, unfortunately. Like, let's look back at uh, Paul Greengrass, Second Born. Okay, when we first really brought back Shaky Cam. When I was coming up, Shaky Cam was just called bad camera work. <laughs> and you got fired for it. And now it's back, so it's, they don't even try. You can just do this. You had to call, it was like, pool. you had to call your shot back in the day. Now you just swirl around with five cameras. Um, but Paul did it for a very interesting reason. Listen, talk about it. He did it because he wanted Bourne, the character of Bourne, to feel frantic and phonetic and disorientated. Right. That's why he did it. And if you go back and watch the second board, it's not super kooky. It's just kinetic. Right. And you get that. He put the pulse in it. He wanted to infuse pace in something. I think that's a great use of handheld. That's a great use of more ballistic editing. 
even when you're crossing the line and, and doing things like that. Um, unfortunately, that's become a time-saving technique. I'm sure you guys know time is money in the film industry. You have a 12-hour day. Some directors average three setups a day. Some can get as many as 50. You're judged by your setups. Setups mean coverage. Coverage means you have to time man Time management is probably the best logistical skill a director can have. Because you, know, you don't want to spend two hours shooting this guy's close-up and then 20 minutes on your close-up when it's you know, Brad Pitt. You're going to get yelled at for that. It's become a way to hide instead of a way to show. In John Wick Chapter 2, one of the flat-out coolest sequences was set in a club filled with mirrors. Well, it turns out it was also the most difficult. Uh, the mirror room, just logistically. And I only mean that because uh, no one knew what the hell I was talking about when I pitched it. <laughs> I'm a huge uh, Bruce Lee fan, so that was my tribute to Ender the Dragon. Uh, we wanted to do it like that. Something like that doesn't material, like that location doesn't exist. We built that. That's one of the few builds in the movie. So when you get that, you have to think, one, what is the cost, what is the... Just, you have to think of that one three months before you even show up on set. And you gotta start designing it. Now, no one's ever built a mirror room before for a gunfight that I could find. So you're like, okay. Uh, so me and the stunt team went out and bought a bunch of these really cheap dance mirrors, about 50 of them, and lined a room about this big with them. And started creeping around with a little toy gun on weekends with our iPhones and trying to figure out, okay, you see the guy there, I don't see. Then we figured out we had to rotate the mirrors, and they rotate not just for fun, but 50% of what you don't see is because I can angle the mirrors or I'm hiding camera teams behind mirrors. So it took literally three months to figure out, and at the same time, I have to build the set. The first budget came back at about 1.2 million to build that set. So we had to shrink it down and shrink it down and figure like that's why it's not real glass in every shot. Sometimes it's lenithane, it's a reflective material. So when you shoot it, it doesn't shatter, which is another handy thing to know. Um, so we get it down to about 700,000 and that's just to build the thing. But you can't build it all in one day. You build a small section of it, you test it going, I think this is gonna work. Then they build another piece or you have to tear it down and rebuild it as you go. And then now you're in there, now where do I hide a 50 person crew? five stunt guys and still get my camera out. Okay, well that goes to VFX. You know, the original budget came back, well it's gonna be 800 to a million dollars to remove everything. And you're like, whoa, hey, ooh. <laughs> That's a much. So you gotta figure out, okay, well, screw it, we'll have to figure out how to do it practically. And then it's back to the, with the stunt guys and little mirrors and your iPhones thinking, well if the mirror moves, if I do this, if I put the camera guy low and shoot Keanu up high, you'll hide. So it's just a lot of rolling up your sleeves and figuring it out and knowing what you spend. We're still trying to look cool. That's why we put mirrors on the ceiling, trying to be inventive. Otherwise, that could have got really boring, too. Chad Stahelski might now be sitting in the director's chair, but when it comes to his action scenes, he just can't seem to let go. I'm one of the choreographers. Um, there are two or three other stunt guys that have become directors who, they weren't choreographers and they kind of let other people do the stunt. I am, again, an incredible uh, egotistical control freak. Most of the choreography you see is something I've either performed or put together. I still coach. I still teach martial arts to, to stunt people pretty much every morning. Um, it's what I enjoy. It's what I do. I have a facility by LAX that we train some of the best stunt guys around. I'm probably better at that than I'm at directing, to tell you the truth. So I kind of stay involved because it that helps me create, if that makes any sense to you. You know, um, when I choreograph, I'm trying to picture what the character then any, any good action sequence has moments. like. You guys have all seen the first Matrix. You probably can't tell me three kung fu moves. Bong sao, hyun sao, kun sao. You know, okay, round out, spinning hook kick. But you can tell me Carrie Ann 
walking on the wall and doing the eagle thing. You can tell me Keanu leaning back in the bullet time, right? You can give me moments. You can give me those spoon bending. So I try to stay in it because that gives me the moments. It's like Keanu going, ah, looking like, you know, the pencil was an actual joke because I, I get so frustrated at the first stunt guys in the first John Wick because I wouldn't do it. I stabbed the guy with a pencil. I just wake up. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Let's stab a guy in the ear with a pencil. Um, and it was just, like, seriously, moments of genius come that way sometimes. Uh, so I, I'm, I enjoy it. It's something I think, and again, uh, to my point, I want to live by example. I, you know, I go wardrobe shopping. I love shopping for wardrobe. I love going shopping. I've got the best wardrobe supervisor ever, and he's got me into the world of fashion and just understanding what that is. That's a big part of John Wick. Like, those suits didn't, just didn't get invented. We tailored those. And we went to Italy, we went to France, we went to Milan just to see what the new styles were and then took what we wanted out of that. Um, I don't see stunts any different than lighting. I'm a huge lighting freak. Um, composition or, or wardrobe. It's just another department that you have to be vested in. So what advice does a successful martial arts expert, stuntman, fight coordinator, and director give for launching a career? Well, don't just do your job. Do your homework, too. Again, the industry is always changing. Like, you guys probably know more about what it's like or whatever they're teaching, hopefully, <laughs> than I did at the, in the day. Um, it, it's whatever you do. If you want to make movies, you guys have this rare technological advantage that we didn't have. Like right now, any one of you can pick up an iPhone and go make a movie. Like there's no, like you can edit that. You can learn to edit. You can learn simple concepts of editing right now. You can learn simple concepts of music design. Like you guys can what, SoundForge. I don't even know what iTunes. You guys can do whatever. You can make a movie on your iPhone, which is. We had to go out and like save every penny we could to get this big VHS camera and then VCR to VCR. You guys know what a VCR is? Okay, VCR to VCR. Good thing to know for all you guys too is part of it is like just know what people make. That helps you, like never underestimate the power of controlling the money. Okay, it's not like that should be your only job, but you should know what things cost. You should know what people cost, you know what time costs, you know what cameras cost, it helps. A stunt guy right now is about 800 bucks a day for the first eight hours, then he goes into overtime, unless you're on a weekly, then he's about $3,700. Okay, it's not a bad job, okay? for just getting hit by cars or shot, right? It's a good job. It's easy to get in, say you're a 21 year old kid, you just graduated, you know, now you're making anywhere from three to five a week. It's pretty, you can live pretty well, you can get a new car, you can get a nice apartment, you can do it, you, and you get suckered into that easy life and you don't do your homework. Like, you still gotta look through those lenses, you still gotta find out what a gaffer does, you still gotta learn about lighting, you still gotta, you know, I'm an avid photographer, I live and breathe with a lens. That's what I do all day long, wherever I go. Um, I live and breathe with a lot of writers right now, just because I want to hear stories, I want to hear how people tell stories. If you're willing to do the work and be a storyteller, yes, obviously, make money, be on set, do your thing, and at the same time, learn how to tell, like, you, sh you can go both in parallel, you don't have to do one and the other. You know, be the stunt guy, you know, you're young, you, know, you want to get hit by cars, you want to do fight scenes, you want to live the life and be Hooper, right on. At the same time, right now, you never know. You could talk to the right person, you do that little short film, and bang, you're in. So the answer is, yeah, man, go for it. Don't land on your head, though. That's bad. We want to thank Chad Stahelski for all the blood, sweat, and tears he's shed to make so many memorable films. John Wick Chapter 3 cannot come soon enough. This episode was based on the Q&A moderated by Toba Leiter and myself. To watch the full interview or to see our other Q&As, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash New York Film Academy. This episode was written by me, Eric Connor, edited and mixed by Christian Hayden. Our creative director is David Andrew Nelson, who also produced this episode with Christian Hayden and myself. 
Executive produced by Toba Leiter, Sean Sherlock, and Dan Mackler. A special thanks to our events department, Sanja Johnson, and the staff and crew who made this possible. To learn more about our programs, check us out at nyfa.edu. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next time.